Buffs Nation. What's going on? Welcome back into the Buffs Nation podcast. Unfortunately, Buffs starting off Pac-12 play on the wrong note. Come back home to Folsom Field. Same result. Buffs 1-4 heading into their bye week. And it's not the best news in Boulder. I wish we were speaking on better terms, but this is the 2021 season. Unfortunately, the Buffs aren't playing that well. And we'll talk about what's going on this season, what can we do to fix it, and obviously big game coming up here in a few weeks against the U of A. I'm Tyler Walgy. Across from me, Jared All. Jared, how are you today? I wish I could say that it was good to be back, um, mm-hmm. but... Man, after the, this last couple of games and I was uh, out of the country enjoying some uh, personal time over the last couple of weeks. And, personal uh, time? Yeah. It seemed know. like you were on personal time. Now, Ryan, producer Ryan, we are without a producer today. So Ryan's out. He's on assignment, as they say in the radio world. So Ryan's on assignment today, just me and Jared. But uh, yeah, you were gone I, last week. I was not on assignment. I was on my own <laughs> assignment, getting far away from the uh, just Where terrible, terrible. Uh, were you Cancun or Cabo? Cancun. Okay, yeah. I knew it was a C. I knew yeah. it was a Mexican place. That's the only place two places you go in Mexico. That's right? what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> Cancun, so, Cabo, or somewhere else. It, it was nice to get away from everything going on, and and frankly, it was kind of almost a blessing to miss a couple of bad buffs games here. And it, it, it's funny. I go back okay. and watch these games, and it's like. Here we are two weeks later, and, and I don't feel like a whole lot's changed. No, nothing's changed, and that's the unfortunate part. Now, I am upset with you for saying that, I mean, look, for me, you got to put your buffs on. It doesn't matter where you are in the in the world, what's going on. You okay, watch your so buffs. So here's the problem that I have. It goes back to the Pac-12 network, okay? Because the Pac-12 network is only picked up by certain things, I picked up Fubo. Fubo TV, it's actually, hey, little little uh, promo here. It's, yeah. it's a great service. It's a lot cheaper than a DirecTV or, right. or Xfinity, and you get a lot of channels, a lot of options. Uh, apparently, uh, it is not allowed in Mexico. I, I don't know. Like, I could not access anything on my accounts and fu- uh, uh, huh. for Fubo. So. You know what you should have done? You should have used ExpressVPN. So you can reroute your See, this computer starts to, to sound kind of shady to me here. I'm not trying to break any federal laws here or anything. I don't, I don't, I don't need them come pounding no. down on my, yeah. my resort it's door. It's totally legit. It's totally legal. But uh, So did you watch the game? I did. I did. I did. So I, I went back and I have watched the games, although, you know, in, in full disclosure, the second half of that USC game. I was, you said plural games. Did you miss? Uh, I, well, so I was, flew out Saturday. Missed the Arizona State game. Oh, you were gone for a while. And then flew back Saturday, missed the USC oh, game. So wow. I was actually in flight during both games, and I could not access the recordings until getting mm, home. And okay. so, yeah, the second half of that USC game, after a game and a half in, it got a little rough. I had a little, well, there may have been some fast forwarding going on in that second half. Good vacation, though? It was fantastic. Good trip. All right. Good to know you had a good trip because it's been rough here the last couple of weeks in Boulder, Colorado. As you mentioned, losing to Arizona State, the opening week of Pac 12 play. And then last week against USC, that was the big game because a lot of fans were saying, okay, I think we'll finally get to see who the buffs are because they beat UNC, lose to a top 10 team in AM at the time, uh, lose to Minnesota 30 to nothing. And then they go on the road for their first road game. And a lot of fans were saying, look, I know it's a road game, 35-13. This next game at home against USC, we'll really see what this team's made of. And it seems like every week we're given excuses, waiting for this team to show up. And my narrative has changed. The first couple weeks of the season, I was 
selling my stock on Brendan Lewis. Now, while that hasn't changed, I'm not buying any more Lewis stock. I think there's other factors that need to be addressed, and the main one is Carl Durrell. Now, I want to be careful here because everyone on Twitter, everyone on Facebook, everyone on Instagram is quick to say, fire Shiverini. And I'm not so sure he's the problem. Look back... uh, how long, how long has he been gone plays? Three years? Four years? This offense has and been... And he's been involved in that process for six or seven years while he's been here. Exactly. This offense has been fine since he's been running plays. And I don't just want to say fine. They've actually exceeded expectations. The idea that occasionally on a third and short or occasionally on a first and ten, there may not be a call where you, on your lazy boy at home, agree with? Fine. That's football. It's going to happen. We're all allowed to have our opinions. But when you start bringing that play calling into now this is the problem and Shiverini needs to be fired, I've got a real hard time saying, okay, the offense has not been the problem for four years and all of a sudden we have a terrible quarterback. The offense the offense is the problem and we don't want to fire Shiverini? That's not how it works. Think about it this way. I know a lot of people who listen either may you may work in sales or you may know someone who works in sales, Okay. Let's pretend, hypothetically, everyone listening, you're a sales manager, okay? Every, just, put your, put, just, just put yourself in these shoes just for a minute. Everyone out there, you're a sales manager. And you, your sales staff, has the best year imaginable, okay? You get the Sales Manager of the Year Award. Everyone's praising you. Hey, your sales team did amazing. Congratulations. Well, maybe a couple of your salesmen went to work somewhere else. One went to Amazon. One went to Apple. One went to Woo's Media, And now you're left with three brand new salesmen and they drastically underperform. And now everyone in the company blames you, the sales manager. Is it your fault that one year you had an amazing sales staff and they were exceeding expectations and the next year with three new salesmen, they suck and everyone's blaming you. Is it your fault as the manager? Maybe. I'm not taking all the blame away from him, but the point is, let's not be so quick to point fingers when... Really? If you look intrinsically at what's happening on the field, it's not Shiverini's fault. He's been fine year after year, game after game. Now that we have a terrible freshman quarterback under center, things are crumbling and they want to blame him. So I'm not blaming Shiverini. I think if you want to blame a head coach or a a coach, look to the head coach. Carl Durrell has had a history of bad football teams. And Jared... I mentioned this last week with Ryan on the show. You were gone. Did you happen to listen to the podcast last yeah, week? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. That I was able to access in Mexico. Anyway. <laughs> so I'll bring it back up here. There's, a, there's an article that was written in 2014, okay? 2014, seven years ago. A lot of our listeners were like 10 years old at that point probably, okay? Seven years ago. This written by the LA Times. Ever heard of them? Kind of an important newspaper. You know, they... They may have some pull in what they say. You know, it's not kind of a big deal. It's not one of these nonsense throwaway papers. The LA Times in 2014, quote, Carl Durrell's time in Nashville turned out to be more of an extended vacation, referencing his time as the Vanderbilt offensive coordinator. The article goes on to say, the former UCLA coach was fired as Vanderbilt's offensive coordinator Wednesday after only one season. Apparently, his West Coast offense didn't fare much better in the East Coast than it did in the West. The Commodores averaged 17 points a game and finished with a 3-9 and record. One reporter covering Tennessee termed it as the 3-and-out offense. UCLA fans may, well, uh, may very well remember why. Durrell was UCLA's head coach from 23 to 20, 2007, excuse me, 2003 to 2007, 
and finished with more three and outs than any coach in a four-year span in UCLA history. Boy, that sounds awfully familiar, doesn't it? It sounds exactly like what we're seeing on the field. And it's hysterical that a couple weeks ago, everyone's up in arms, everyone's upset with the CU offense. And what does Darrell say? Hey, 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 don't worry. I'll, put, I'll be in the meetings more. I'm going to stick my head in there more often. Hey, Darrell, you're not helping anything. This offense is getting worse. And when the camera pans over to Darrell on the sideline, and it looks like he's in church during a very serious sermon, and he's sitting there and he's listening, it almost seems like if anyone said anything to him, he's like, shh, 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 hold on, hold on, shh. I hate his demeanor. I hate how he looks on the sideline. I would rather have Mike McIntyre crying like a 13-year-old girl after our wins than what we see out of Carl Durrell on the sidelines. It's the polar opposite of that, isn't it? And that's something that I know you and I both were pretty outspoken that we didn't always love the way McIntyre was on the sidelines because it it was almost a a lack of professionalism at times. But I I, I don't see the fire and and, and the energy that I, I feel like this offense is lacking, this team is lacking, even this defense. You see them week after week. It's getting harder and harder and harder to keep putting this team on your shoulders and trying to make something happen and, and, and playing beyond yourself because ultimately you end up giving up big plays, something that we saw against USC. And that feeling permeates the locker room. When Carl Durrell is sitting there like a mannequin, everyone else on the sideline is too. And it's not like, look, let's also be careful. It's not like Darrell needs to be hooting and hollering and and pumping the crowd up, but he needs to hire a staff or get his staff ready to do that. You ever watch Notre Dame, Texas, Oklahoma, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, any of these great schools, man, they have about 10 coaches on the sideline whose job it is to hype their players up. Every first down, they're out there going, let's go, let's go. right? They're, they're out there. You look at CU's sideline, it's dead. There's no emotion. There's nothing of any significance. And again, this isn't a Durrell thing in terms of he needs to be doing that, but it's the tone you said as the head coach. Brian Kelly, last year on NBC, he was doing an interview. I think it may have been with Al Michaels or one of the, the play-by-play guys. And Brian Kelly said, part of my job is to get everyone else in the building ready for game day. So he's talking about coordinators. Yes, he's talking about other AC assistant coaches. Yes, but he's also talking about towel boys and ball boys and, and those other positions that it takes to put a winning football team together. We got Carl Durrell when there was no one else available. Mel Tucker left us at midnight. We were left with a pool of about five coaches nationally. And Rick George and the University of Colorado opted to go with the special teams coordinator of the Miami Dolphins. This is what happens, okay? I'm not in these meetings. I don't understand the, the conversations that are had. What can you do to win? What can be... And I understand that throughout history, it's always been kind of a, a funny thing amongst those who are elite in college football that athletic directors who don't know a dang thing about football or sports. They're hiring a football coach. Why? Oh, because they're the athletic director. That's what you do. When they're really not qualified to understand what makes an elite football coach. Because I promise you, Jared, if anyone qualified was in those meetings with Carl Durrell, 
they would have probably quickly said, uh, I don't know about this, Rick. He's not qualified. Well, remember back to when this this coaching search was happening and, you know, Mel, Mel Tucker had, you know, left in the night and one of the big, you know, kind of frustrations from from CU fans and I assume from the athletic department as well is that he used CU as a stepping stone program. And that you don't that's not a good feeling. You don't want a guy that looks at this job as a stepping stone position. And so they wanted to go homegrown. They wanted somebody with ties to CU and that's why they landed on Darrell. One of one of Many reasons, obviously, but that was one of the key factors for them is he had those ties back to CU. He had coached here in the heydays. And and you know what it reminds me of a lot, Tyler? And I actually like really debated whether I wanted to even bring this up on the show because it's, it's not a good comparison for a coach. But it reminds me of when they had Embry here. And when they brought mm-hmm. Embry in because he was a homegrown guy. CU he guy. was a CU guy. He was going to bring the traditions back. But he really was not a flashy hire. He wasn't somebody that was on anyone else's radar, really, as a head coach. And unfortunately, you know, Embry did not have a good period Let's focus on as head coach. Let's focus on that idea. Because the idea that you just brought up is very real, very true, but it's completely backwards from how they should be doing things. Let's examine that. CU and Rick George, okay, they approach things, or approached things when hiring Mel Tucker, same thing before with Embry, and I don't know, Rick George, I don't think it was a part of those conversations, but my point is, this time, they approach things in, in saying, we want to see you guy, right? That was sort of a stipulation. And think about why they say that. Why do you think that's a thing? Why do you think the Colorado higher-ups want to see you guy? It's because they want someone who cares as much as they do. We want someone who's not going to leave like Mel Tucker. We want someone who really cares about Buffs football. But they're going about this the complete backwards way. You don't get someone to care by getting someone who used to care. You get someone to care by creating a program good enough for someone to care. You know why John Embry, Carl Durrell, Eric Bieniemy care? Because they played in a program in the 90s that actually was good, that gave a crap about their players, that tried to get a good coaching staff around them. You can't be living on those couple good years and say, oh, let's bring them back. They'll recreate that magic because they love CU. No, they love CU not because of CU, even though CU is a great institution. We all love CU. They're a great team. They love CU because CU was a winning program, because it was fun to be above, because anyone could move from Florida, Texas, Alabama, California, or wherever to Boulder, Colorado, and be a part of a great football team. That's gone. And they're trying to say, remember when it was great? Let's get one of them. They'll make it great again. Instead of putting money behind their team, money behind their program, do you know that CU is dead freaking last in the Pac-12 for what they pay assistant coaches? That doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, we've seen it year after year. Coaches within the Pac-12 take the same job at at other schools because they're going to get paid more. Exactly. Coaches in CU or coaches in Boulder take lateral moves just for a a pay bump, you know? And this is a regency problem. This is a problem with CU because you got to wake up. If you're running stuff at the University of Colorado, we understand academics. We understand what it takes to be a prestigious university. But also, you got to understand, this is 2021. We are at a turn right now. This is a very important time in history. And if you're going to be stuck in the old days, well, we don't pay our assistants. It's all about academics, and we do things the right way here at University of Colorado. 
that's fine, but you're going to be left in the dust. You got to start approaching things seriously. And to me, that starts with firing Carl Durrell. It's got to happen soon. It's got to happen swiftly and quickly. And Rick George, I'm talking to you directly. I need to see that you care. I need to see that you give a damn about season ticket holders who have had tickets long before you, Rick George, ever thought about joining the University of Colorado. This is a big deal to thousands, tens of thousands of people. And for Rick George to be more concerned about what freaking Nikes he's wearing on game day than what the CU Buffs are doing, Jared, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. I've had enough. I've tried to come on week after week and stay positive, stay, it's going to be okay. Unfortunately, this is where I find myself now as a Buffs fan. And unfortunately, it falls on the shoulders of some people. Is this all Rick George's fault? No, but guess what? How many people right now have their finger on the button to do something about it? One man? Maybe two people if you include the president? It's on Rick George. And he's got a responsibility to prove to people he cares about this team, he cares about this university, and he wants to see things change. So I'm fed up. I am so done with Carl Durrell. And I'm, I'm throwing Brendan Lewis in there too. I don't ever want to see him in a, in a Colorado jersey again on the field. I'm sure we will. I want to see Drew Carter out there. No doubt about it. At least he may throw the football. I want to see JT Shroud come back when he's healthy. And uh, I know Brendan Lewis is a freshman, but I've seen enough. I, there have been dozens of freshmen, by the way, some actually biologically younger than Brandon Lewis, who have come into college football and they've looked just fine. We talked about Shiverini. It's not his fault entirely. Brandon Lewis needs to be doing a better job. I, I'm just, look, you reach a point sometimes as a parent, as a friend, as a fan, where you've had it. And Jared, unfortunately, I'm at that point. So I'm ready to, to sell the staff. If you want to start over, hit the reset button, get rid of everybody, I would be totally fine with it. You know, I'm not really going to argue with you, Tyler, on a lot of that because I, I do think there's so much failure here happening on so many levels that, that frankly, it may be a clean house situation. I hope it is because here's what we keep hearing. Uh, look from Carl Durrell. Okay, and I'll do my best Carl Durrell impression. Well, you know, everyone, we said, give it time. It's a young team. It's a young team. No, it's not that young of a team. I mean, I understand it's young, but it's right. a very good team outside of quarterback. It, let's put it this way. If the Buffs had Oregon's quarterback or USC's quarterback, we would be competing for a Pac-12 title. I really right. believe that. So it's not like, and it's all excuses. That's all you hear from Darrell. It's, it's excuses. Yeah, it, it, Before it's the season, you never heard that. You never heard, oh, well, and we're young. Let's temper expectations. It's like, no, we're ready to win now. After the A&M game, what did he say? He, his quote was, I told you guys we had a good team. I told you, and I'm ready to prove it more. Well, what's happening now? And then, okay, my last thing here before I take a breath, okay? My last thing is, what was the one overwhelming piece of news we heard from the offseason? Carl Durrell said, man, this is a team of leaders. He said, these players are stepping up, holding their own practices, breaking meetings, showing up on time. We don't have to do anything as coaches. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but Carl Durrell said, it makes it easy on a coach when you've got so many leaders in the locker room. Guess what he said after this last loss to USC? Not enough leadership in the locker room. Not my fault. These guys need to step up. Durrell. There's a lack of accountability uh, on the podium. And with some of his actions, you know, some of the little things, and, I, and I, I know a lot of people have made a big deal, and I think it is a big deal with him pushing the camera out of the way on the way off the field. You want to, you know, teach these kids, these young men, how to be men. That's not it. That's childish. And if you can't handle your emotions there, but yet you show zero emotion throughout the course of a game, that's a problem. Right. You know, and, and I don't disagree with you that, that something needs to happen. Now, is that going to happen this week? 
No, I, I truly it don't. Should happen. I, I don't it think you're going to see that happen in, in the next couple of weeks. Right. I, I really but don't. Why? why? Why not? What's the downside to doing it right now? No, oh, you're going to honestly. I, I, I see zero downside because right. I, you already have a guy in a Darren Chevrini that you could easily name as your interim head coach or some other guys on the staff at, at this point to get you through this season. Which, let's be honest, folks. I mean, do you see looking at this schedule? More than one or two games that this Buffs team can right. be even competitive in. Maybe and, Arizona. And then luckily it. they have one coming up in a couple of weeks in right. Arizona. So something you mentioned in there, in, in your rant there, Tyler, is Brennan Lewis needs to sit down. And as a coaching staff, if you cannot see that, see that this is 100% your opportunity to make that move. You have a bye week next week. Then you get Arizona. That gives Drew Carter two weeks to be the starting quarterback within this offense and practice and be ready to play. And if Drew Carter is that far behind Brendan Lewis, I am so concerned about the future of the quarterback position at this school. I don't think anyone could could realistically be that far behind Brendan Lewis. I think me and you wouldn't be that far behind Brendan Lewis. I mean, whoa, 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 Tyler. Here's the thing. <laughs> as long as you get rid of the football, you're already a step ahead. As long as you don't snap the ball and sit back there like your feet are on hot coals, and but you don't move, like that's all he does. I mean, and Jared, we said this after the UNC game, okay? We said this after 30 minutes of football in the season. Well, Brendan Lewis, he holds on to the ball way too long. I mean, he's got, got to get rid of that thing. Well, don't you think the coaching staff's going to talk to him? Oh, yeah, they'll let him know. Get rid of the football. Well, here we are about halfway well, through the season. But this is where I will, though, once again, bring this point back to the coaching staff because I'm sorry. If you're watching this week in and week out and you cannot devise an offense or do something different to make Brendan Lewis successful, but yet you feel Drew Carter is absolutely incapable of coming in as your starter, you have failed. Yeah, I completely agree. They've been here. There is so much talent also on the, on the, on, on the roster. That's not an excuse. Okay, can we breathe? Can we take a step back? Hey, I guess what? I'm so worked up, the, man. The buffs are guaranteed not to lose this weekend. I mean, hey, I guess that's a good thing, right? Let's, uh... I mean, you know how bad it is that... So I like to listen to the radio broadcast. It's so pathetic that we've reached a point to where we get a first down and everyone's just throwing a party. It's like, what? Hey, everyone's so... Confused almost. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait. What? First down. We're moving I'm gonna, here. I'm going to have to look that one up. I'm not familiar with yeah, that I know. term. It's bad. Things have gone bad very quickly here uh, with CU. All right. So before we get off last game, again, 37-14. The Buffs uh, th- actually threw for, what, 162 through the air. Uh, how that many? ought to triple their uh, season total probably. Yeah. Right? Uh, 80 rushing yards. 2.1 average yards on the ground. And then the defense, a lot of tackles on defense. That's the one thing also. I want to stop hearing this defense needs to step up. This defense is on the field for way too many snaps, way too many minutes. And this offense has far too many three and outs for anybody to say anything about this defense. They're fine, okay? That's not the problem here. And did you know, before last week's game, Nate Landman led, Nate Landman led the country in tackles? It's not surprising. He Number gets one a lot country. of opportunities out there. Right? I mean, that's true, but... I don't know if it still stands after this week. He had seven solo, nine total tackles. But anyway, he was number one on the country before last game. Brennan Lewis, 10 of 17, one touchdown, one pick. I don't mind that pick. Throw the pick. Throw the ball. At least you're going to get rid of the football sometimes. Uh, Brennan Lewis, quarterback rating of 16.2. 
Uh, okay. Uh, real, real quick, going yeah. back to the defense, um, yeah. I I actually think the corners in you know for the Buffs playing a lot of man to man coverage on some very talented wide receivers, guys that will be drafted in the first Drake round. L- Drake London, Drake like a London top five pick uh, specifically, <laughs> oh and you know what? That guy made some incredible catches over very tight coverage from multiple Buffs. Yeah, it, there's nothing more that you can do in that situation when the guy's got five inches on you and he just goes up and makes the play over the top, but I thought the Buffs' corners actually did a very good job in press coverage against really talented receivers. That's not an easy thing to do. I agree, and like you said, Drake London out there, I mean, he's going to be a top 10 pick maybe in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, I, I would mean, say at least in the in the front half of that yeah, first round. For sure. He's so he's good. He's big, so. he's fast, he's and, physical. And Gonzalez was doing his best. It's not like Gonzalez was slow. No. I mean, he was right there on the on the ball. He was he was doing his best. And, to and nine times out of 10, he makes that play. Yeah, exactly. So it's all right. I agree there. Defense is not the problem here. It's the offense moving the football, and more importantly, I think the coaching staff. All right. So this is an interesting show because usually for, for our, our podcasts, we take a lot of the show and preview the upcoming game. Uh, the Buffs do have a bye coming up this week, which I think for all of us in Buffs Nation will be a bit of a positive, right? No, keep the blood pressure down this weekend and uh, get to kind of keep things positive, I guess. But uh, Jared, <coughs> excuse me, in terms of the, the season so far, any positives? I mean, can we take anything away to say, look at this, this is going well, we, we have this to look forward to? Because right now, I mean, I can answer this first, Unfortunately, there's not that many things because we haven't seen it on defense because the defense hasn't been in a position to make any plays. I mean, when you're down 14 points, the best play you can make is just to get off the field on third down. Uh, special teams. We've seen some huge letdowns this year, whether it's, I, I mean, Cole Becker, and it's it's mainly been Cole Becker this year, but he's been a, a bit of a disappointment. I mean, what is he, one for four on the air? Uh, yeah, for... let's see here if I could pull that up real quick. He's... I know he missed his first two. He's two of five. Two of five on the year. Not good. Not good. No. And so special teams can't say a whole lot of great things, obviously offensively. So what is the bright point? You know, I don't want to praise anyone on the coaching staff. I don't want to. Here's, I think, the thing we can praise. If these players go through a week and show up at the Arizona game ready to go, I think we can put a lot on on these players' shoulders in terms of responsibility, being a professional, showing up, doing your job. Because I, as you know, I've sold my stock on Carl Durrell. I'm not a big fan of a lot of the coaches he's surrounded himself with. But you know what? If this team can show up, work their butts off, not give up, that at that point, I put on them. So I'm looking at the players now. I I hope they save us. I hope the players look around and collectively come together. Because the coaches aren't doing it. We know that much. So if there is a positive, I'll say maybe it's looking forward. Maybe the players can come together and show some cohesiveness and maybe show up for the Arizona game. And That's on, what I'm on that to. note, they they get Arizona at home in 2 weeks and then they play they go at Cal who is also 1 and 4 um and and struggling so far this year. So, if if you have an opportunity to kind of bounce back against a couple of teams when you look across the rest of their schedule, the following week by the way is Oregon. That's not going to be an easy one. Uh, but that, that that's maybe some, as you said, some optimism looking forward. As far as looking back and reflecting on the year so far, 
Um, like you said, it's it's really hard to find a whole lot to you know be encouraged by. I, I think uh, some of the things that you have seen defensively, a guy in Nate Landman coming right back and looking like he is 100% back to the same form he was beforehand. I, I, I'm encouraged for him in his future in the NFL. I think he is a guy that can make it in the NFL. So that's encouraging to see. And, and as I just mentioned, I think the defensive backs, I think the corners in particular, have looked really good. Christian Gonzalez probably specifically would be the one I would call out. That's looked good this year. He looks like a guy that you know has a future at the next level and can be a star for the Buffs, especially if they can get this team turned around a little bit in the coming weeks, in the coming years uh, while he's there. But uh, you know, it, it, you know, one thing that I, I hope I'm not premature in saying is, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I've liked to see the guys stand behind this program. Um, guys like Brendan uh, Rice and others have kind of been vocal in in you know believing in being a buff and in in today's day and age where it's easy to transfer. That's something that concerns me. So to see a lot of those guys, I follow a lot of them on Twitter, you know, kind of reaffirming their commitment to this program. On that note, interesting article here two days ago from the Denver Post talking about Carl Durrell. Uh, a quote in this article, Carl Durrell saying, they're going to have to let the pacifier go. Okay, Durrell. Okay. That's the problem. They've had the pacifier in their mouths. Way to treat them like men, by the way. Okay. And with that quote, this article by Mark Kisla, he talks about how the buffs could potentially now be at the risk of losing transfers. Okay, because there's a balancing act of keeping guys in Boulder and getting new players to come to Boulder. Okay, this article says the sad state of CU football now as Carl Durrell tries to lure more talent to campus than he loses to the transfer portal. Is it an excuse for fans? Blah, blah, blah. So that's the idea, right? Jared, there is no guarantee that anyone on this team is going to want to stay after this. Why would you want to? Now, we don't know what it's like in the locker room, what's being said after games. You know, we had an opportunity to speak with Montana Lamonius Craig before the season started. And, you know, he's had a couple big catches this year for the Buffs. He's obviously in the locker room. And I asked him about the demeanor of Carl Durrell. And he said, hey, on game day, he's ready to let us loose. We like it. So I get it. I'm not in the locker room. I don't see everything. But one thing I do know is Carl Durrell has a predicament on his hands. These players, he's going to lose them quickly if he doesn't Turn things Especially around. because some of the more veteran guys were not his recruits to begin with. Exactly. Exactly. So this is not a, He's only even, had one recruiting Even class the more so veteran far. guys, even some of the less veteran guys who are good, highly touted prospects. Brendan Rice came to play for Mel Tucker. Okay? Let's just be honest. Let's just yep. be clear about that. If you got hired at some flashy hotshot job by the next great CEO of America, he leaves and some dope comes in. Are you going to keep your job? Probably not. That's what's happening now. So that, Jared, is why I implore to Rick George to make a change. If you really give a damn about CU football, something needs to be done. Otherwise, we're just going down the river waiting for something to change and it's going to crumble. And okay. the, the other thing you do by making a decision sooner than later as Rick George is you keep yourself from being in the position you were last time where you were at the 11th hour before the season was about do to start right now. and you had no choice. Put your name if in the mix you're now. The, Exactly. If you're one of the first teams to let a head coach go, guess what? That means you have the pick of every single coach out there. Now, I'm not saying every single coach that's going to be offered a coaching job or have an opportunity to get a job is going to want to come to see you, but you get to weed through anyone and everyone that you think is qualified for this 
this job. You can interview guys all season long. I think it's a smart play. I just don't think they're ready to bail on Darrell just yet because of how much turnover they've had, this being their third coach in, what, a three- or four-year span. Yeah, yeah. Mel Tucker was only here for two years, and you know I, I, I'm afraid that they're going to want to hold on to Darrell to try to create the uh, stability. Stability, mm-hmm. and, and, and yeah, we can go for days on this because well, but but, but I don't think that, and I see what you're saying is that they want to show everyone kind of like the Steelers, well, right? Hey, we don't, we're not an organization who fires quickly or anything like that. Where I was going with that is is back to what you were saying with, you know, the idea of of bringing somebody back that was involved with the the, the 90s and, and the heyday. I, I think that goes so beyond just the, the idea of head, hiring a head coach that I think that this program and this university at times gets so caught up that they were once great that they forget that, like, you you can't just hold that. If you want to be known as a great program and a great university, you have to create continue to recreate that magic and it's not going to happen when you keep looking back. You have to look forward and you have to commit to being a great program. <sighs> Today was interesting. Today was something else. Uh, for the last couple of shows it's just like therapy. It's just like coming in here and just kind of getting it all out. Let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. You got anything else? At a certain point, though, isn't it just like insanity to keep coming and beating your head well, over the, the same topic, yeah, right? <laughs> and I feel extraordinarily insane with all of this. Nothing's changing at all. But, uh, uh, yeah, I guess that does it for today's show. All right, the buffs are one in four heading into the bye week. All we can ask now is they make the necessary improvements. And as we talked about, that doesn't even necessarily mean coaching changes, okay? You keep the same people, that's fine. All we're asking for as Buffs fans, we want to see improvement. We want to see something to hang on to. It's not about constantly winning the Pac-12 South, constantly having a chance to win the Pac-12. It's just about putting a football team out there that we can be proud of. Take this bye week, improve. We'll talk to everyone next week on the Buffs Nation podcast.